Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We record on Wednesday, November 16th, as we get you ready for Saturday's game on the road at Liberty. On today's episode, we'll discuss how a very well-coached Flames team has been a tough matchup for many opponents this season and how they'll stack up against the Hokies, and later we'll preview the Charleston Classic. All that and more coming up on episode 272 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, whether you are listening or watching on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're there. And also turn on the notification bell so you don't miss any future podcasts. This edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference in your overall experience. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. Let's go ahead and introduce the crew for today. On set, we have Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline across the way. To my right is Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. In the fourth chair is Carter Hill. Behind the scenes producing is Nick Brown, and I'm your host for today, Katie Adams. This week, Virginia Tech travels just up the road to Lynchburg to take on the Liberty Flames. And these two teams with very different trajectories on the season, Virginia Tech at 2-8 and eight, and Liberty at 8-2, and two. previously an AP Top 25 team, but an impressive, an impressive season led by Hugh Freeze, that's for sure. I think it's one of his best coaching jobs so far at Liberty because they lost Malik Willis. Now, they only went 8-5 and five last year with Malik Willis, and now they're 8-2. and two. Um, without him, and I think that says that says a lot about their coaching ability this year. Their defense has been strong. They've been opportunistic. They've been good in the fourth quarter. They haven't gone out there and dominated games, with the exception of prob- you know the BYU game. Other than that, every other team they've played has had a chance to beat them. I guess with the exception of UMass, but Liberty's gotten it done in the in the fourth quarter more times than not. So good. Yeah, not, job. not only did he lose Malik Willis, but he lost uh, Brewer. What's what's this Brewer's name? This Brewer's name is it's Charlie. currently on the roster. Charlie, still, yeah, which he, we'll yes. get into. Right, lost yeah. him to injury. You're right. Yeah. He was supposed to be their starting quarterback. Yeah, Hugh Freeze, 34 and 13 since being hired at Liberty back in 2019. A name to watch probably for for future coaching vacancies. But I know he just signed a contract last month. I think that five I think, mi- five million a year. Yeah, right? keeps him at Liberty through 2030, which. Liberty might end up being the perfect place for Hugh Freeze. I know he's had a resurgence as a man since he got there. The, the thing, the thing is, if, if you if you hire Hugh Freeze, you're immediately on the radar of the NCAA, yeah, just because of his past history. Um, so that that that's a risky hire for anybody, but he is a good coach. Clearly, he's a good coach. Well, Liberty's kind of like the honey badger; they don't really care, you know. <laughs> right. I described him in uh, in our in my section of our preview as a school that is on a mission when it comes to football and uh certainly you know let's see if i can remember off the top of my head without pulling up the preview and reading it they started their program in 1973 they were naia naia until 81 when they were division two then they went to fcs in 1988 
and then they became a full-time FBS member in 2018. So um, they've clearly had a plan the whole time, and they've got fantastic facilities. And, you know, so they're, like I said, they're a school on a mission. I'm sure they're very excited to welcome Virginia Tech to their stadium this this weekend. Unfortunately, you know, playing at ODU and playing at Liberty in the same year isn't my favorite thing to do, but we can go ahead and talk more <laughs> about this team. Just four points separates them from being 10-0 and and undefeated. So let's take a look at their schedule. As an independent team, they had a pretty decent schedule. They scheduled two ACC teams, an SEC team, BYU, of course, another independent, but a respectable team, of course. But they stacked up a good amount of wins. I mean, Arkansas on the road, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's very impressive. yeah. You go on the road and you beat an SEC team. A little bit of that is like Liberty jumped up twenty-one nothing, and I think some of that is Arkansas being like, "Who's Liberty?" <laughs> yeah, right. And then they score the night last nineteen points of the game, but uh, but that that's uh, not so enough. So that wound up still, a 20, 21-19 win for Liberty, right? Still, that's I mean, you go in there and win that game. You know, that's you. You earned it. They earned that win. Um, they, they have a, lo- a large number of games in here that have been so close. Like they beat Southern Miss by two and four overtimes. They beat UAB by seven. They beat a bad Akron team by nine, and that was like that was a two point game with under five minutes left. Uh, Old Dominion they beat by two touchdowns, but late in the third quarter that game was tied uh, twenty four to twenty four. Um, Gardner Webb, a, a mediocre five hundred FCS team. Liberty only beat them by one point, and they actually trailed by six with around five minutes left. Uh, so basically, like Liberty, they do just enough to win, whether they're playing a bad Gardner-Webb team at home or a pretty good Arkansas team on the road. And Wake Forest on the road. And I mean, Wake Forest. I remember watching right. that game. And it was then, so was fun a, to watch. That was a one-point loss. Right. Yeah. Right. And then there, there, a lot of the reason is their offense is not good at all. They're, they've started three different quarterbacks this year. Again, partly because of injury, some to Brewer, but their third string quarterback, who they were, they were using some, he got hurt as well. Um, and they turn the ball over a lot. They're one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to turning the ball over, but their defense makes up for it by being one of the best teams in the country and forcing turnovers. Yeah, so their turnover margin isn't that bad. It's plus one actually, yeah. but but they're I don't I don't think I've ever seen such a spread. It almost seems seems like up oh, their offense throws an interception and then the defense will get it right back with right an interception right. of their own. Before we talk about the offense, one more quick note about this game. At the beginning of the season, it was talked about how this schedule was the most distance-friendly for Virginia Tech in quite some time, 11 out of 12 games being played in Virginia or North Carolina. But this is a game that you might want to stay far away from, although if you're watching it from home, the broadcast situation does not sound too promising. Yeah, it does not. Um, Obviously, it's an ESPN Plus game. And I think I read on Twitter yesterday, I think it was a Clark Ruin tweet, that the last time... Virginia Tech played a game that wasn't televised at all. Was the Temple game in two thousand three? I think that's right. Did Maybe we win or lose? That. Yeah, yeah. And, and Virginia Tech and went to. I think it went to overtime, and Temple missed an extra, missed an point, extra point, and Virginia Tech won by. That was when the Hokies were in the middle of melting down late oh, in two thousand three. Yeah. They were they were totally all nosediving, right. and I remember listening to that on the radio. Just ah. so just all right. So this is going to be an ESPN Plus game at Liberty. That means it's an in-house Liberty production. Which means there'll probably be limited camera angles and replays and pay things attention, like that. folks. This is important, and mm-hmm. it's going to be Liberty 
announcers, basically. Liberty bias, liberty influence, maybe liberty employed announcers. So it's going to be a three-hour celebration of liberty football. This is also important for the three of us who have to talk about this game next week when none of us are going to the game. So I don't know how the analyzation is going to be in regards to that, if there's not good camera angles, or if there's not a condensed game on YouTube. I mean, it's it's a problem. Uh, well, I, yeah. know that, I know that for me, with the games being on RSN, I haven't seen the most recent games other than seeing them in person and maybe watching a condensed version on YouTube. No, so. yeah, they don't do the condensed version on YouTube for RSN games. Well, they, 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 so like the last three games have been on RSN. Is that so, right? I don't know. But they actually did do condensed versions for two of the three. It did was, they really? They yeah, just, it was they, one of the, hmm. I don't, they didn't last week. They, they did, they did the most recent one. Uh, uh, they hadn't done one for, well, I've, I've linked it in I, our schedule. Well, it's there. Maybe they did. Okay. No, but to your point, I think they actually have to wait like three or four days before they can do it. Usually the ACC Digital Network gets to con- gets a condensed version up in a hurry. But I've noticed for the RSN games, if they do it at all, it's like days later. So there must be some weird rights thing there. Something tells me we're probably not going to want to go back and watch it if, if things go as they've been going all season. Well, as, as media, it's kind of difficult because uh, – um, the people who are there covering it are seeing it live and they're tweeting about it. Streams, which I'll, I'll be, we'll all be forced to watch this on a stream. They run a minute to two minutes behind. That's true. So yeah. if you're following like David Cunningham's not going to be covering it for us. Jack Brizendine is, if you're following Andy Bitter or Jack Brizendine, they're going to be telling you stuff. Or if you're looking at the live stats. So you have to train yeah. yourself to not be on your phone during the game, basically. Well, I was actually thinking Twitter. about that this morning. Do I actually want to watch the live stats so I know what's coming on the stream like two plays later or what? Yeah. I think I'm going to be glued to my phone the whole time. If you're there, make sure you have the most in-depth tweets possible to help all of us who aren't there. <laughs> right. um, but we can go ahead and get into this matchup, specifically the Liberty offense and their quarterback position because they face some adversity, adversity there, like you all said earlier. Let's start with the player who we probably won't see who has a familiar last name with Charlie Brewer. He's certainly taken advantage of the transfer portal. He's on his third school with the Flames, but a disappointing season for him. He's been a good quarterback in his career. He just he's had a bunch of concussion issues. Played for Utah and Baylor. Right. And has good numbers for his career. Came to Liberty this year and four passes into the first game he broke his throwing hand. Brutal. Horrible. And he's he's come back and played in one game. I believe it was uh maybe the BYU game. He had two carries. But I they think have, you said that, but, yeah. But, but they haven't let him throw it. They still list him on the depth chart as an or. Uh, Jonathan Bennett, who is their been their starter recently, it's Jonathan Bennett or. Actually, they do or, or for or, all three or, quarterbacks, or. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of silly. Brewer, to me, when he's not, when he's healthy and he's not rusty, is far and away their best quarterback. Man. These other quarterbacks are completely mediocre. Um, so, you know, you're sitting here saying, oh, they're eight and two. I've had a lot of close wins, but at the same time, both their losses have been down to the wire as well. So with Brewer, they could conceivably be 10-0 right now. I know he returned to practice last week. Hugh Freeze mentioned in the presser, I didn't think he could throw it last week well enough. It was too many turnovers in practice. I hate it for him the way the season has gone. Hopefully this week is different and it shows up differently. So there's a potential to see him. I don't know if Michael Brewer is going to be in the stands. That would be interesting. But, I mean, he's rusty if he comes back at all. Football has been a rough game for the Brewer brothers, man. Oh, yeah, it has. How early did he get hurt in that Ohio State game? It was right before halftime? Yeah. It was right after halftime. Okay. Was it right after? Because Tech, yeah. we Tech scored on their last drive yeah. right before halftime and took the halftime lead. 
Was was that the uh, um, Sam Rogers play? I don't remember. Right before halftime, I think um, they scored on a Ryan Malik touchdown before. That was half-time. yeah, it was a throwback. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, I just remember the Sam Rogers play because I've I've got it on YouTube. Uh, I actually put it on Tech Sidelines YouTube years ago, and it's fun to go back and watch. Scott Leffler dialed up his best games for Ohio State as a Michigan man. By the way, he got Bowling Green uh, bowl eligible last yep. night. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was Maxion. interesting to tune in and see him running out of the tunnel. Bill Rolfe's calling Maxion tonight. Maxion. Really? Yep. There's been football every single day, and it's thanks to Tuesday, Wednesday, Maxion. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the conferences, can't remember which one it is, might be Conference USA, has also signed a contract to do Tuesday, Wednesday games. Yep. Um and to, to go on a tangent, I know we're here to talk about Virginia Tech and Liberty, but um, what Maction has done to attendance at the Mac football schools is, is an interesting topic to study. As you can imagine, attendance has plummeted at their games because they, they literally, I, I can't remember the details of the article because I read it a couple of years ago, but there were statements to the effect of the, there was not a single Mac game played on Saturday. They're playing a bunch of them during the week now particularly in the month of, of November as things are coming down to the finish. And, you know, Major League Baseball rotates out, so ESPN needs the inventory, so they're going to the MAC for it, and they're playing during the week, and it's just it's killing the next generation of fans because they're not actually going to the games. They're just sitting at home on a weeknight and watching it on TV. So I remember playing at Western Michigan <clears throat> that year, and it was – sold out it was like thirty thousand people in a thirty thousand seat stadium it yeah was, it was a really good atmosphere and and that's typically what back in the day you could expect from a mac team a smaller mm-hmm. stadium but they filled it because right. you know up in that area of the country football is very important you know but you know, yeah television rules you know how that works mm-hmm. i wish thursday night football still had the glamour that it used to and now it's just like the games that no one wants to watch like georgia tech and uva and <laughs> nc state virginia tech ended up being kind of decent but you know um well given charlie brewer's status incomes caden salter and jonathan bennett bennett likely to get the start on saturday he did lead their wins against byu and arkansas but a decent quarterback yeah he's uh he he's had his moments. I'll put it that way. But overall, like he's not, his numbers are not good for a modern quarterback. Uh, 58.7%, 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Right. Uh, overall as a team, you know, they throw a ton of picks. I want to say they've thrown 15, 14 or 15, 14 or said. 15 as a team, something like that. Um, and he's, well, he's, he's limited because he's only got one good wide receiver. Like, uh, you know, they've got a wide receiver, Demario Douglas, with 57 catches. Nobody else has caught more than 19 receptions. And things could be even worse for them this week because they've lost their leading rusher for the season now. Yep, we can go ahead and move on to the running backs. That's another position that, you know, Liberty could be 10-0 moving forward if Day-Day Hunter had not gotten hurt. Yeah, and he he missed the game last week. Now they're they're third straight. And that's also their backup missed the game last week to attend the death of his – or attend the funeral of his father. So they were kind of down. Was that Lewis that missed that, it? Is that yeah. who you're that, that, That's about? correct. Yeah. But they put their third string in, and he still rushed for like 114 yards. So a strength but. of their <laughs> offense had been their run game, but yeah. run game, but now it's a little adjusted this week, obviously, with Day Day Hunter not in the mix. And then Shedro Lewis might be a little rusty, hasn't played in two weeks. I don't know who their – their third guy being TJ Green, who mm-hmm. started the game last week against U- UConn. He's a Utah transfer. Um, done nothing so all year until last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so to put that in context, Hunter was up to 130 rushes, 854 yards, 6.6 per carry. Good back, yeah. So that, that's, he was headed for a 1,000-yard season. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For and uh, 
So you you don't know how much of that changes thing. It, it, it you would it hurt them last week, but at the same time it didn't hurt them because their third string came in and had a hundred yard game. Still, you like to have all your all your guys available to you, especially when your passing game is so limited. So this is this is a Liberty offense. I mean, you just look at their point totals this year. Southern Miss they scored twenty nine, but it was in four overtimes. UAB they scored twenty one. They did score thirty six on Wake. They only scored 21 against a bad Akron team. Then 38 and 42 against bad Old Dominion and UMass teams. Then only 21 against NFBS Gardner-Webb. Then 41 against BYU. Then 21 against Arkansas. So they've been up and down. But generally speaking, their statistics on offense this year are extremely mediocre, maybe even slightly below average. Yeah, there's nothing that stands out. and, And theoretically, they shouldn't be as good without their... Uh, starting running back now, and they turn the ball over a ton. They're good at hitting big plays, generating big plays. They're the type of offense that will do nothing for two or three, two or three straight drives, and then boom, hit a big play and, and score when you're asleep. So you talked about uh, how Douglas has 57 catches, nobody else has more than 19, but uh, Noah Frith, who has 19 catches, averages 18.7 yards per catch. Right. So to your point, they can hit some long gainers. Yeah, and their third leading receiver is a hunter their running back so if you can count him out this week too right so they're they're very limited in their options and throwing the football i'm gonna say this wrong and i meant to look it up before we got on the podcast but i do know that uh, you talked highly of demario douglas and he's certainly going to be a weapon on saturday he's on the i'm so embarrassed i don't know how to say it Bilitnikov award watch. Bilitnikov. Bilitnikov. Yes. Fred Bilitnikov. I should know how to say it, you but can... I know that he's on the watch list for that. Oh, so. that hurts my Hi. soul. Bilitnikov was the man when I was a kid. He, he was a wide receiver <sighs> for the Raiders and, and Florida State. Yeah, well, that's how that's how a lot of old school tech fans know him is that he played for Florida State and he played in the old. I think it was Miles Stadium. Yeah, there's a. I don't. I won't go down that 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 no. rabbit hole. Uh, I think it was Bolitnikov that was famous for having the sticky stuff on his fingers when he was playing football. Bolitnikov. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm going to remember. I'm so embarrassed. First name, Fred. <laughs> Fred Bolitnikov. Fred Bolitnikov. Yeah. So Jordan Addison won that award last year, I believe. Now I think it was the assumption that Josh Downs would win, but I don't I don't know who would, who's going to win it this year. I don't year. know. I've been following it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can talk more about that wide receiver position. Douglas obviously spends most of the time in the slot, like mm-hmm. you said. 830 yards on the year, so he could be due for a thousand yard season. I, he could be, and he'll at this point he would be on pace to get it. Uh, you know, especially when you consider that they'll play in a bowl game, right? So, yeah, so I, I think uh, think he probably will get that. I wish he was an outside receiver because I would honestly rather have Mansoor Delane matched up against him half the time. That's what I was going to ask. Who would likely be covering him? You know, if Virginia Tech is in a nickel package, it would be uh, Chamari Connor. Uh, if they're in their regular defense, then they would be lined up, assuming he's on the wide side of the field, then you'd have Keonta Jenkins over top of him and kind of a zone type type coverage. Uh, I would rather have Mansoor Delane on him personally. Uh, yeah, I would me. agree. Yep. Yeah, he's a little guy, 5'8", 170, but yeah. clearly productive. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't have productive – good productive talent at outside receiver at all yeah. um and I, 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 when you look at their record you think they have a bunch of good players right but they don't they just win yeah you know you know they they're well coached enough. and they win so are you gonna read like the 11 starting not now, not now but when we get to the defense i didn't yes. print it out but i probably i, I, I was I could, gonna cue you up to talk about yeah. that oh, so we we'll can pull it up it. on the phone that, that's it, true we'll talk about that stuff later. looking at their defense yeah. Yeah. yeah more to get to on the offense but want to throw it over to carter for the first time 
As always, let's lead it off with stat time with Scott Glessner. It is not upside down today. Last yes. week it was upside down. You got it right. So he first comes prepared with, since joining the ACC, this will be Virginia Tech's sixth out-of-conference opponent in the month of November. They are 3-2 and two in those matchups. Oof. 2006, they beat Kent State, speaking of action. That, you know, that was a bye game. And now the now we've talked you, about the Kent State game. So <laughs> now, if you want Kent State, you have to pay one point nine million for him for a buy. Right, because and Virginia Tech could go could go. This is another tangent, but back then when Tech first joined the ACC, ACC teams payouts per team were higher than any other conference. So Virginia Tech was getting Conf- more, conference revenue payouts. Conf- conference revenue payouts. So Virginia Tech was getting more money from their TV contract basically than Georgia was. Back in 2006. That's right. So Virginia Tech could afford games like that back then. Relatively speaking. And now we have to schedule your liberties and ODUs because it's either that or pay Kent State $1.9 million. Yeah, which isn't going to happen. Bill Roth will be talking a lot about Kent State football tonight. I think he's calling that game with Eastern Michigan up in Kent, Ohio. They beat East Carolina in 2009. They beat Notre Dame in 2016, so they got Mm. off to a 3-0 start. That was that snowy game in South Bend. So They lost to Notre Dame in 2019, and, of course, they lost to Liberty in 2020. Right. And remember the, the Liberty game in 2020 was not originally supposed to be in November. It was supposed to be like the second game of the season because they, they had to shuffle the schedule because of COVID. That's right. Yeah. Forgot about that. There so, was a lot of shuffling that year. Yeah, NC State, Virginia. Virginia Tech has only visited the red zone 23 times this season. That is the fourth worst. UMass only has 22. Iowa only has 21. So they're oh the God. only Power 5 team that is worse than the Hokies. Colorado State also has 21. In comparison, Georgia has visited the red zone 56 times. So that is two and a half times more than Tech has visited. Russell, yes, so, so almost Tech, exactly. So Tech is averaging 2.3 red zone trips per game. Yeah. I wonder how many of those were against Wofford. <laughs> this is interesting, too. Got one more from Scott. Virginia Tech's offense is tied for 129th out of 131 teams in fourth down conversion percentage. Virginia Tech's defense is tied for 117th for allowing fourth down conversions. I'm, I'm going to issue a challenge to Scott Glessner. Okay. Find us a good offensive stat. <laughs> it's not been the year for that, unfortunately. <laughs> no. We can go ahead and talk about their offensive line. Liberty is similar to Duke in the sense that it's a very transfer-led O-line. Brought three people in from the transfer portal, and they all were good enough to start for them. Yeah, uh, and it's also helped them create depth because they do rotate in one center, one guard, and one tackle uh, off the bench. So they go, they've got a little bit of a rotation going, and they've actually got some of their backups have been have played major snaps for them in the past. So they upgraded their talent level, but, you know, the but – the guys that they replaced in the starting lineup did decide to stay, and now they're in the rotation and helps keep everybody fresh. They're not a dominant offensive line. They've been good in pass protection, kind of middling when, when it comes to run blocking. I mean, honestly, their, their offense across the board, with the exception of Douglas at wide receiver, is pretty mediocre. Uh, one of their tackles, uh, I think it's Gadlin on the right on the right tackle, has been very good. You're not going to try to pronounce that first I'm name? Absolutely That's not. why I'm sitting here staring at the roster card. Uh, his name, I'll spell okay. it for you, X-Z-A-U-V-E-A, Gatlin. Zueva or something Xavier. like that. Xavier. 
Carter, can you can you well, see Xavier Gadlin? Uh, yeah. Can you look Gadlin? I'd, I'd love to know how to pronounce it. I'm just curious. Can yeah, there's a pronunciation on Liberty. Yeah. What's his name? What's his number? Number 73. Number 73. I'm sure the Liberty announcers will let you know on Saturday. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll let yeah. us know. They'll have it memorized backwards. Speaking of their offensive line, how many of our offensive line members are we losing this offseason? Is it Silas? We definitely lose Johnny Janzy. Jordan. J- those are the only two. And Bob Schick. Uh, I don't think we. I think Schick is te- Schick is only technically like a redshirt sophomore. I think. Yeah, I think he's All right, got so it. he went on a mission out of high school, and then he went to JUCO for a year. Yeah, he's listed as a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, so wow. and, and, right. Okay. And so last year, and, and his, so his JUCO year was in 2020, so it shouldn't have counted. So then technically he was a, a freshman last year, even though he was like 22 years old or something. <laughs> and uh, so he's a he's a redshirt sophomore now, I guess maybe. I, I don't know how it works. But anyway, he's coming back, or he can come back. I guess I was just wondering if we would be on a similar pursuit to get guys from the transfer portal we better for our be. offensive line. We better be. Because yeah, I Virginia, Virginia, Tech, Virginia Tech's problem is a number of bodies. It's the positions they play. We, we, uh, like, yeah, like one of the issues, again, we've talked about this, why the Tech defense has struggled to generate a pass rush this year is because they're not getting a good look in practice because there's no depth on Tech's offensive line. I mean, I've basically, the time I went to practice, I saw J.C. Price about to just lose his mind because the backup linemen weren't giving Backup good reps. offensive linemen yeah, weren't, weren't getting. Particularly yeah. the tackles. Yeah. So, like, pass protection has been bad the last three games. Yeah. Now, if we had to play our backup offensive tackle, it, it tackle it would be awful it would be a disaster i'm not, I'm not saying it's not a disaster now right. because we're bad but it would be even worse so what did we say the other day the uh, snp plus there's only been like virginia tech's offense is currently third or fourth worst since 2005 since 2005 1100 some 12th if, if we had to play the backup offensive tackles I think they dropped a second or, or maybe first yeah but it's that bad so yes transfer portal offensive alignment is very important that's concerning because they tried last year to hit the portal for at least one offensive lineman uh i think they wanted to take a true tackle and then maybe a swing guy and they failed they didn't get anybody so you've seen duke take three guys from the portal that became starters you've seen liberty take three guys from the portal it could be starters and virginia tech struck out yeah. So they are going to have to do a much, much better job. I mean, yeah, you you can just sit here and say, yeah, they're going to fix some things by hitting the portal. Well, they tried to fix some things by hitting the portal last year, and, and they didn't. So they, they've, they've got to do a better job on that. So is it, is it possible that uh, if you think about the timing of everything, you know, Pry was hired in. I know uh, where you're going with this. But he, but he was putting his analyst staff together. Mm-hmm. So they may not have had the research and the background that they needed. Well, Maybe you're right, but what's the excuse for Mike Elko, who was hired a week after Brent Pry? He was able to hire front three starting offensive linemen at Duke and a and a good linebacker and a starting corner, even though that one's not very good. Uh, so basically, like five or six really key contributors that are having good seasons for Duke, and he was hired after Brent Pry. Elko was a defense coordinator, so it wasn't like he was sitting there looking. And he came at from Texas. O lineman, right? Yeah. He, yeah. he was he was he was at Texas so, A&M. Right. So we don't have any excuses. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of takeaways for this offense. Overall, like you said, they're one of the worst teams in the country at turning the ball over and for an offense with an offense in Virginia Tech that struggles to score points, one of the keys to the game has to be winning that turnover margin and getting some points off of turnovers that they may. It's kind of it's kind of scary and also encouraging. 
So from one standpoint, Virginia Tech has had issues in certain games with turnovers. And Liberty forces a ton of turnovers. Yeah. But on the other hand, Liberty turns it over a ton themselves. And for, so Virginia Tech, like if you feel like they're going to come away with some turnovers, it should be this week. Yep. Right. Um, now we'll see if that holds true. But it, like if either team can like manage to not turn it over this week and then the other team has their normal has a turnover prone game, then that, that could give that team a big advantage. Now, obviously, Liberty has more room for error because their defense forces a lot of turnovers. Virginia Tech has no room for error. At least it doesn't seem like it. At least from based on through 10 games, Virginia Tech has no room for error. Liberty doesn't have a lot either because they lack overall talent on offense, but they've they've got more room for error than Virginia Tech because their defense is better than Virginia Tech's. So if you remember going into the Duke game, uh, I believe the stat was Virginia Tech was at number 129 in the country in turnovers forced. So that's why the interception by Delane was such a big deal yeah. in that game. Uh, I, I literally think that was the sixth turnover Tech had forced our year or something like that. So you have a, a Liberty team that turns it over a lot facing a Virginia Tech defense that doesn't turn you over a lot. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And a little bit of breaking news, David Cunningham just texted us and said that uh, Alan Tisdale says he is coming back next year. He's wow. using his COVID year. And he deserves it after the NCAA. Yes, he absolutely deserves it. Oh, my he sure he got We never addressed it on the podcast, but, yeah, I mean, he just and, got screwed. And that, that, that's a big deal because, like, Tisdale's a guy who, I don't know if he's graduated yet, but he would certainly graduate this year. And he's got a kid. Yeah. You know, so part of you is thinking, okay, you got my degree. You need to go on and support my kid now. But he's choosing to play football for another year. And that's a good sign because I think I do think the tech the, de- the defense has been better yeah. since he's returned. So, uh Hopefully that can provide some stability there next year. And, and that gives them the option to maybe try one of those guys, one of the other guys, at, at Mike next year to fill that uh, Dax Holyfield role when he leaves. So for, you know, correct me if I get any of this wrong, for those of you that, that because you're right, we never really covered it. Um, he uh, downloaded a betting app, on, Tisdale downloaded a betting app onto his phone. He bet on what, NBA games? NBA Finals. NBA Finals. NBA Finals. He, he bet a bunch of small bets. He won $41 and lost six games in his senior year. And, and learned months later that that's against NCAA rules and turned himself in. And the NCAA suspended him for nine games, and later they appealed it and it got knocked back to six. And... It's just ludicrous. <laughs> you know, we could rant ludicrous and rave about this. Ludicrous crap is what that yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> oh, man. We could so. rant and rave about this for a while, but it's just, you know, so we're all sitting there, and we, we have talked about this. We're all sitting there wondering what's going on with Tisdale. Why has he been demoted to scout team? What, what? Well, it was just that. It was just that. And Hugh Freeze, meanwhile, got Ole Miss put on probation for massive recruiting violations. Uh, got traced to uh, – an escort service, all of that. He's allowed to coach. He doesn't really get punished. And, you know, we can and make $5 million a year. And, there, you know, there, there are certain athletic departments out there who, who are sponsored by apps like FanDuel and things like that. Like, so the athletic departments are making money off these gambling sites, but then he wins $41 on a sport that he doesn't even play. It's, it's the most ridiculous. I mean, there was a there were a number of articles written last week or the week before or whenever. Yeah, it's a that, couple of weeks ago. That 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 was such an archaic rule, and the NCAA needs to needs to come off that. And they're absolutely right. It's like the NCAA doesn't have any 
perception of what people are going to say about him. It's like, it's like, okay, he broke a rule, so here's the punishment, here's and they the, don't even think about anything else. It's like, you would you would think that they would sit there and realize, man, this is really going to make us look bad if we really do this. stupid. Yeah, but they, they never do that. They don't care. Do you remember what Dave Dorn said last year after the Holiday Bowl was canceled? No. He said the NCAA stands for no clue at all. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so obvious. Why hasn't anybody said that before? <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap up the first half, but before we break, let's check back in with Carter. Well, first, Chris, Scott was up for the challenge. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. One positive offensive <laughs> stat. Virginia Tech has more 300-yard passing games this season than all of 2020 and 2021. They have what? won this year. <laughs> wow. They didn't have any the last two seasons, which is kind of Okay, so it's a relative positive. Relative positive. (laughs) Did you just say in different words that in this 2020 and 2021 seasons, no Virginia Tech quarterback threw for over 300 yards? Well, we knew that last year. That's correct. Correct. That's correct. He was supposed to cheer us up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, what'd you say, That's Kate? something. I was just like, we're all stumped here, like staring in a blank space. Like, like, really? What is happening? Which game did we throw over 300 yards this year? Uh, Wofford? I don't think so. Scott? Right. You gotta look it up. Let us, know. <laughs> Let us know. I mean, meanwhile, we have a quarterback who almost averaged 300 yards a game last year at Marshall. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Well, Damian Salas helped me out with this. This is the first time the Hokies have played in Lynchburg since 1949. Oh my God, who did they play? They Wait, tied right. Washington and Lee. Okay, because I was oh. gonna say we only have two career games of Liberty, so I was like confused. Yeah. Well, they actually are 13, 11, and 2 all time in Lynchburg. <laughs> tech, tech used to go around and like barnstorm, barnstorm around yeah. the state. Like they would play like Well, they used to play in the Oyster, in the Oyster Bowl. Bowl in yeah. Norfolk. They would play VMI. In Wait, Vic- did you say there was a, an Oyster Bowl? They call it the It wasn't that a was bowl the name game. I love that. They used to play VMI in Roanoke in Victory Stadium in Roanoke. Mm-hmm. They would they would beat meet VMI like halfway. It was v, Victory Stadium was probably like a 25,000 seat stadium something, something like something that. like that and and there was a Sports Illustrated I believe that Virginia Tech and VMI were on the cover of Sports Illustrated at one point back in the 1950s. Um let me spit this up. Isn't WL in like WNL in Lexington? Lexington. Correct. Yeah. So yes. they played WNL in Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. a six to six tie. Exciting it is stuff. the closest game away from Blacksburg since the last time the Hokies played in Roanoke, a nineteen seventy one thirty four to nothing win over VMI. Okay. You ever seen the movie Remember the Titans? I've the seen po- like the first thirty minutes, and I really need to watch the whole thing. Okay. But I haven't well, seen the, it the last game in the movie, the state title game, was played in Victory Stadium. Interesting. And they're 62, 40, and 9 all-time in Roanoke. So they've played quite a bit of games over there in Roanoke. They've played over 100 games in Roanoke. Have they ever played in Danville? Uh, Damien, I know you're watching. Have they ever played in Danville before? Thank you very much. And then um, the 2004 Florida A&M game was actually not televised. Oh. So that was the last time I played a game that was not televised. So the last road game that wasn't televised would have been that Temple game. Was that game in Lane Stadium? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was, yeah. And the Wofford game was the game where Virginia Tech threw for over 300 yards. Well, that makes sense. Classic. Wofford, I believe, is like 90-something in FCS and defense. They fired their head coach halfway through the (gasps) year. Really? I think they've won one game. Yeah. Oh, I guess he deserves it after. So, by the way, that 1949 team went 1-7-2, so that was a bad team. Remember, Tech had de-emphasized football. Yes, yet they the, still the, managed an the, epic the, the only difference between uh, 
tech football then and tech football in 2022 is like, <laughs> and back then we were bad at football because we chose to be. Right now we're bad at football, even though we're dumping way more resources into it than we ever have. That's the big wow. Virginia Tech has played twice in Danville. <laughs> huh. 1896. Remember what I was yesterday. And 1897. <laughs> oh, wow. Who did yeah. they play? No they way. Played, they played Carolina there twice. Oh, what? Wow. They tied. <laughs> they tied in 96, 0 to 0. <laughs> and then in, in 1897, they won 4 to nothing. Two shoutouts in Danville. <laughs> Danville's such an exciting place. I, oh how, how about this? I'm looking at the 1948 season. Tech went 0-8 and 1. In in those nine games, they scored 28 points. Wow. They were shut out for the first five games. Then they scored seven points, seven points, okay, seven so, points. So this seven offense points. is the worst offense. Okay. <laughs> in the history of Tech football, no. Tech was outscored 209 to 28 that year. Okay, okay so it's better than a leather helmet offense. Good point. So this is actually Gee, more fun I'm than talking so about the Liberty. <laughs> so think about playing in Lynchburg. There was no interstate system. No, back you rode the train. Oh, that's true. You could ride the train. Yeah. So I'm, I'll bet everybody suited up. Got on the train in their football uniforms. It's went possible. to Lynchburg. Got I don't, I don't know how, how fast. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's possible. They uh, played the University of Lynchburg once in 1925, but in Blacksburg. All right. There There's you your Lynchburg. Man, people Tech complain about playing ODU in Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than playing in Danville. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. That'll lead us into our break here on episode 272 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by First Bank and Trust. Talked a lot about the quarterback situation, the mediocre Flames offense in Virginia Tech playing in Danville in the first half. <laughs> and on the other side, we'll talk about the strength of their defense and preview the Charleston Classic. Make sure you stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> We welcome you back into episode 272 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by First Bank and Trust. As a reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, continue to drop any questions you have for Will and Chris in the chat, and we'll get to those with Carter at the end of the show. Shifting to the defense, it has been the strength of their team this year, and they've had to rely on them a lot in some of these close games. Chris, I know you did some digging on some of their defensive starters recruiting rankings. Are all of these guys kind of uh, diamonds in the rough? They're all, yes, absolute nobodies <laughs> until they started playing for Liberty. Uh, so I'm going to list all 11 starters on defense. Uh, I won't say their names. I'll just go by their position. Defensive end. Zero-star recruit, unranked in Florida, coming out of high school. Defensive tackle, two-star recruit, number 391 player in Florida, coming out of high school. Defensive tackle, two-star recruit, number 335 player in Texas, coming out of high school. Defensive end, uh, two-star JUCO recruit who only Liberty offered. Linebacker, a three-star JUCO recruit. So, But that's the highest-ranked player so far. Linebacker. Two-star recruit, number 200 player in Georgia. Nickelback, two-star recruit, number 241 player in Georgia. Cornerback, zero-star recruit, unranked in the state of Virginia. Cornerback, three-star, number 55 player in Washington. That's a little bit deceiving because he originally went to Southern Utah. Okay. So he's a low three-star. 
strong safety, zero star recruit, unranked in Texas. Free safety, zero star recruit, unranked in Virginia. So that's four zero star recruits and two three star recruits, and the rest two star recruits. So so they have twice as many zero star recruits as they do three star recruits. So. Don't tell me that Virginia Tech needs higher recruiting rankings to play better football. No, Virginia Tech needs to be developed better and coached better, and then they'll win more football games. So who are the two Virginia kids that are on their defense? Uh, Chris Megginson, a zero-star cornerback, and Javon Scruggs, a zero-star free safety. Never. So they only start two Virginia kids on defense. I mean, they go down to Texas and Florida and Georgia to get their football players. Yeah. Which is – never mind. Chris, <laughs> point made. Yeah, Chris, you said this game probably isn't going to be a breakout game for the Hokies offense. Some of those recruiting rankings contributing to the fact that they're number one nationally in tackles for a loss per game, number five in sacks per game, and in addition to forcing a lot of turnovers. So that goes to show development. Yeah, um, they're very active defensively. Um, they'll play with a bandit, like a stand-up defensive end type. You could – View him as an outside linebacker or a defensive end, depending on your definition of both. But but he's a very active player, Darrell Robinson, I'm talking about. Uh, they've got a lot of guys who make tackles for loss. Obviously, number one in the uh, country in tackles for loss. Virginia Tech has done a good job recently of preventing tackles for loss against their running game. They're against not, the running game, yeah. They're not giving up much penetration, but they've been bad when it comes to pass protection the last few weeks, and they've given up a ton of sacks. So just on paper, this looks like a game where Virginia Tech is going to be in third and longs. And that's exactly where this offense does not need to to be in. So a stat, yeah. So you mentioned, Katie, number one nationally in TFLs, number five in sacks, number five in turnovers forced. And that primarily comes from being number six in the country in interceptions. So, yes, third and long could be bad news. I think there's some sort of – Havoc rating in defense, maybe. I think there's some sort of uh, advanced stat, maybe in the S&P Plus, um, where there's a havoc rating on defense, and it takes into account like turnovers, tackles for loss, sacks, and things like that, yeah. where the defense not doesn't just stop the other team, but they make a positive play as right. opposed to tackling them for a loss or getting an interception. But uh, Liberty would probably statistically be – they create more chaos than yeah. any other defense in college football this year, I would say. I think that's an, that would be an accurate statement. One thing that stands out before we get into individual players is those forced turnovers. Like we said, we have they have 22 on the year tied with Georgia Tech at fourth in the country. The last thing we needed is another day like we had against Georgia Tech with turnovers. Yeah, I noticed that in, in looking at those rankings or reading it in Chris's article that Georgia Tech is right up there, even though they're not a great football team and that did manifest I think, I think Georgia Tech is third and Duke is fourth. And forced turnovers this year, and now Liberty is fifth. Sandwiched fifth. in yeah. between them or something. Yeah, something like that. So Dural Johnson on the edge will be one to watch. He's collected quite the numbers his last three seasons, including 35 tackles for a loss and 15.5 sacks during his career. Yeah, Virginia Tech's offensive tackles are going to have their hands full. Parker Clements has played his best two games the last two weeks. Uh, Silas Janzi did not have a good game uh, against Duke. Uh, some of that, it just looked like it was pure communication errors right. between him. Like, like there was one point where he gave up. I don't remember if it turned out to be a sack or just a heavy pressure. 
but he turned a guy loose without even really trying to block him. It's like he passed it off to to the offensive guard in the center, expecting them to be there, and they were not there. So I don't know whose fault that was. Right. You know, it's just so many miscommunications on the offensive line for Virginia Tech in, in game ten. Um, the challenge is greater this week. Duke's defense is is solid, but they're not good on the outside, and they don't create as much havoc. As Liberty as does. Liberty does. Like, mm-hmm. this, Liberty's going to be flying all over the place, going after turnovers, trying to get sacks, blitzing, doing everything. It's just going to be a whole lot of bodies moving all over the place. And this doesn't sound like that mixes well with the Virginia Tech offense. Well, Darrell Johnson, like we said, gets some help from Kendi Charles, and his first name's Dennis. I'm not going to say his last name, but two of those guys beat out some SEC transfers. Both of uh, Liberty's backup Defensive, defensive tackles, tackles or transfers games. from Auburn, which means they were beaten out by a couple of uh, two-star recruits. Yeah. Wild. So, so let's let's go back to, to to Darrell Johnson. He's the bandit position. What is that like? A hybrid defensive end, outside linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll probably be standing up quite a bit, but you know, you know, football the is is it's not. A straight up four three or a straight up three four anymore. There's a whole right. lot of in between stuff. Yeah, it's it's so it's interesting looking at their their four guys. He's six three two forty. The other defensive end is six one two fifty. The tackles are six zero and five eleven. Oh, they're not they're not big. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's uh, kind six of foot two seventy five and five eleven two ninety are their starting defensive tackles. Yeah. Uh, but but they're both good players. So but Johnson is the physical specimen of the group, and the other guys. Are yeah, just right, 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 exactly. But you know those defensive tackles, they went into Arkansas against an SEC team and played a heck of a game. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what their size is or what their recruiting ranking was; they're good players. And like I said, they've beaten out two transfers from Auburn. Decent. Um, in the secondary, the top Liberty playmaker is strong safety Robert Rahimi with five interceptions on the season. A safety in Quentin Reese has played a role. One day, one note on him is that he's sponsored by Reese's, who signed 12 football players with the last name Reese to NIL deals this past season. Not sure how much we're going to see of him. I know he got hurt in pregame against UConn by spraining his AC joint in his day-to-day. But I thought that was cool, a Liberty player sponsored by Reese's. I think Bob it? Schick ought to be sponsored by the Razor Company. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> Razors for I mean, life. It's not spelled the same way, but still, you know, just make it work. With that NIL deal, they get exclusive gear, a gold Reese's chain, mini fridge to keep a mini fridge to keep their season's worth supply of candy and much more is what it says. So it makes them popular with their teammates. Yeah, that's yeah. what it said. Yeah. It said share yeah. with share with your teammates. Um, lastly, at linebacker, JUCO transfer Mike Smith has been strong against the run. Fifty-five tackles, seven point five tackles for a loss this season. And then another linebacker that I want to mention is Ahmad Walker, who is mm-hmm. missing the first half of the game due to targeting. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and he's another undersized guy. 5'11", 215 as a linebacker. And then Mike Smith Jr. is 6'1", 225 to go along with those smallish defensive tackles. This is not a big Liberty team, but don't make the mistake that you can push them around because they've got a lot of speed and, and quickness and they make a lot of tackles for losses. And, uh, you know, we, we Virginia Tech has struggled to block – slower, less quick defenses than, than Liberty's. And now things are going to be moving even faster. Uh, I, I mean, I have a feeling, you know, without studying them really closely, but when you get that many tackles for loss and and you get that many sacks, it's because you're quick, but but it's also probably, probably because there's a lot of movement 
There's probably a lot of stunts, a lot of blitzes, things that Virginia Tech has really struggled to 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 pick up this year. Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder why in the heck I've actually picked Virginia Tech to score 17 in this game. Yeah, I thought that was odd. Uh, I picked Virginia Tech to score 13, and and which isn't you know a lot less than 17. It's not, yeah, know, but um, yeah, if, if Virginia Tech's offensive line is having trouble with communication and and decision making on who to block and that sort of thing, it could. That's oh. probably the most dis- disturbing part. Is like things were going pretty well from a pass blocking standpoint, and all of a sudden. They just stopped being able to do it yeah. in the middle of the season, and it's been going on for, for for three games. Now, if you get that straightened out this week and you have a good pass protection game, then I do think that this is a game they're not going to play bracket coverage on Caleb Smith, most likely, uh, the, like we saw Duke do last week. So I think there will be more one-on-one opportunities down the field. But you got to keep those guys your, off well. quarterback has to have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the fourth and four we were wa- I was watching some of the film that Brandon Patterson put in his article today, the fourth and four against Duke, um, Grant Wells had a chance I can't remember who was running across the middle but there was an opportunity there to complete an easy pass for a first down except Wells got rushed and flushed he couldn't out even of the finish pocket. his drop back right yeah you know overall no, you okay over there Nick yeah I'm good, <laughs> good there to was go. a crash from the uh, production area. <laughs> Well, overall, their defense has only let two teams score above 30 points this year, and it was in both of their losses at Wake Forest and at UConn. Subsequently, the Hokies have yet to score 30 points this year. So that should be... um, I don't think it's going to be a problem for Liberty to hold Virginia Tech under 30. Because Wake's, you know, Wake scored 37 on them, but, you know, Wake scores 37 on most teams. Yeah. It's a really good offense. And... uh, UConn was fighting for bowl eligibility, so that was a huge game for UConn. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a turnaround for UConn. Uh, Jim Mora Jr., I think, is coaching them. He was, yeah, he was Michael Vick's coach with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and okay. was he coaching UCLA when yes. uh, when they stomped <laughs> Tech in that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. By the way, your Liberty trivia is their place kicker's name is Nick Brown. <laughs> I was really? just about to say, their place kicker is also producing this podcast right now. His name's Nick Brown. And he does play, play for the Radford Bobcats football team. He's a man of many guy. He's in Lynchburg and Blacksburg and Radford, different so, times throughout the so, so, by the way, speaking of uh, Radford uh, High School Bobcats, they are playing Appomattox in that game in the playoffs, and that game is going to feature three Virginia Tech verbal commitments. Let's see if I can remember really? them all: Marcel Baylor for Radford, mm-hmm. Jonathan Penix for Appomattox, and Tavorian Copeland. Tavorian Copeland. Oh, how was that game that in Radford or? <clears throat> okay, it yeah. is in Radford. Um, I, so I should go and watch it, number one. <laughs> and number two, we're hoping to put Nick on our sister production, TSL Today, uh, sometime next week and have him talk about what he observes about the – I mean, clearly he's been seeing Marcel Baylor all uh, all year. and He says Baylor uh, is, is a D1 athlete and just has an insane set of hands on him. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting for me uh, to go see a Radford High School football game. I need to do that. So John Love is the guy again this week. A good opportunity, a good opportunity for him to get to potentially get more opportunities to prove himself because he only had one last week and it was a fifty yarder. Yeah, and that so. was a tough one for him because if you know that Duke Stadium, I mean it's a bowl, it's underground, yeah. and and there, there's not, but there's nothing up there like really blocking the wind. So the wind comes and sweeps straight down on the field, kind of like a wind tunnel. So that wind was blowing in kind of from the corner, yeah. kind of right into his face. So that was a tough first 
collegiate field goal attempt for him. So were, were we? T- I don't think we were talking about this in the podcast. I think we were standing around the office talking about it. I, I sat there on that field goal attempt, and I looked at that end of the field, and I swear I saw one flag flying in one direction, one in the other, the actual flags on the uh, video board. And then looking down at the uh, uprights, neither one of those flags were moving. <laughs> and But yet further out on the field, he's got it coming in his face. So, so swirling. You don't really know what to do in a situation like that. You just try to kick it. Yeah. Getting into game picks, I want to go back to an earlier statement when we mentioned that Liberty tends to have a bunch of close games unless it's against BYU. So that surely factored into your picks for the week. Yeah, Liberty is four and two in one score games and games that were one score games late that they turned into two score games. They, they won a couple of those. And Tech is 0 and four in one score games. Yeah. You know, I see enough weaknesses on the Liberty offense. A very mediocre group turns the ball over a lot. Only one good receiver. They don't complete a high percentage of their passes. I mean, in fact, if you can sit here and and look at their quarterback, he's thrown the same number of interceptions as Grant Wells. His completion percentage is almost exactly the same. Like Virginia Tech, they only have one good receiver. In fact, Tech has a better second option than Liberty in in Gallo. Um. There's not a and the, with the starting running back out, like there's not a whole lot of difference between the two offenses in terms of impact players at each position. Yeah, I think and, that's and everything. Fair. It's just I think I think Liberty get, is getting more out of the players that they do have, and, and their defense is much more disruptive. Correct. Yeah. So what are the official score picks? Oh, I actually picked it pretty close, twenty four seventeen. I don't think Liberty's offense is going to be able to go out there and put up a ton of points on the Virginia Tech. Uh, defense. So Virginia Tech will keep the game close, but if everything continues to play to the trends that we've seen so far this year, Virginia Tech will lose a close game and Liberty will win a close game. Yeah. Um, I went with Liberty 27, Virginia Tech 13. That does sound a little high for Liberty, but you know we'll see. Um, and David went with, where's David's pick? Liberty 24, Virginia Tech 7. So unless uh, he left a one out. Back David, to back. <laughs> yeah. David's, Really down on. Could, oh God! Can you imagine? So earlier this year we had back-to-back ten-point performances. That's right. And we thought that was bad. So what if what if Tech did score in single digits this week? And that way too many quarters where there's just a big fat zero. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so looking at the uh, fan uh, poll so far, 362 votes. Um, 50% pick uh, Liberty to win by 11 plus. Another 28% pick Liberty to win by one to 10. So that's 78% of people in the, in the early going in the fan poll that, that see Liberty winning this. When is the last time that the fans picked the majority f- picked Virginia Tech to they win picked, a game? They picked George. They picked Virginia Tech to beat Georgia Tech. That's right. That's yeah. right. Even though we didn't. So yeah, all, the, all three of us picked Georgia Tech to and win. The, so that's the first time, like, all – that might be the first time ever, like, all of us picked mm-hmm. one thing and then the fans picked something completely yeah. different. Now, they did pick it close. They picked uh, Virginia Tech to beat Georgia Tech by 1 to 10. But yeah. still, we know how it came out. On a lighter note, we're going to talk about basketball, but before we do that, I'll throw it over to Carter for one more time. Well, obviously not going to get into this too, too much, but I did want to bring up Mike Barber reported of the Rich, of the Richmond Times-Dispatch reported that around Virginia this weekend, college football teams including James Madison, Old Dominion, Liberty, Virginia Tech, Richmond, and William & Mary will wear a memorial decal on their helmets to honor what happened at UVA. That. I was hoping we would do something like that, so that's exciting. Yeah. 
Big weekend of hoops for the Hokies. Virginia Tech set to take on Old Dominion in the Charleston Classic tomorrow at 2 p.m. Mike Young, I'm sure, very excited to get back to the state of South Carolina, and, and I'm hoping that he brings back some hardware with him. Yes. The last time Virginia Tech ventured south of Charleston, they they won the Charleston Classic. Yes. and. Uh, that was a great final game against Purdue. Mm-hmm. And Purdue ended up as an Elite Eight team that year where they got knocked out by UVA in one of the best NCAA tournament games you'll ever see. Do you remember see. who their player was that was really good at that point in time? Yes, I do. In fact, I said his name on this podcast Carson Edwards, earlier right? this year. Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards. Yeah. And, yeah, that was it. So that was um, back in 2018 with Buzz Williams. Yep. Hokies beat Purdue in the championship game behind Nikhil Alexander-Walker's 25 points. That's right. And ironically – their only loss in non-conference play that year was to Penn State, a Penn State team that I believe had a losing record that year, and Virginia Tech may end up playing Penn State this week in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you remember, Penn State beat Virginia Tech two years ago when the Hokies were an NCAA tournament team, and they smacked Tech by 20 in Blacksburg. Yep. And again, Penn State, I believe, had a losing record that year. Penn State's good in the, in the computer rankings every year because the Big Ten is so deep. But... The records generally aren't very good. So to kind of give you the, uh, we had hoped to have the the uh, bracket to put it up on the um, um, video, but I'm not sure that we had that keyed in yet. So anyway, I'll just, I'll just I'm looking at the bracket. So the Charleston, what's that, Nick? Yeah, it's up. Okay, good. So the Charleston Classic is an eight-team event. They will play Thursday, Friday, skip Saturday for college football, and then play on Sunday. And uh, Virginia Tech opens with Old Dominion, and that is Thursday at 2, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe this says, on ESPN 2. And <clears throat> a, a personal rant, so if Virginia Tech beats Old Dominion and Penn State beats Furman, then the Hokies will play Penn State in the second round. And, and I have, I think I've said this before, I have, I have teams I hate losing to mm. in, in, in individual sports. First of all, I hate losing to Boston College in anything. It's this really weird thing. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. I really can't stand losing to Miami in basketball. If you want to go to the Tech Boston College game in the Conti Forum this year, tickets are low as three dollars on StubHub right now. <laughs> Just um, to let you know. So anyway, I hate losing to Penn State in basketball. Yeah, it just really gets under my skin. So I'm I'm looking forward to the Hokies playing them again. Now I did watch to to preview a little bit of this. Uh, we as a staff have not really gone into all these teams that are in the Charleston Classic. You know, we haven't done homework ahead of time. But I did watch Penn State the other night, and so looking ahead to a possible second round matchup, um, they've got a guard, Jalen Pickett, I think is his name. Right. Who, when I was watching the other night, had the second triple double in program history. Senior guard, really good player. I think he, I think he was a transfer from somewhere else that doesn't Sienna, really he was their conference player yeah. of the year. So he's point guard, so I'm looking forward to seeing a potential uh, Pickett and Sean Padula matchup. Yeah. Uh, I expect, it might be it would be Couture guarding him most likely. So. Hey, he's 6-4. Yeah. You want to put yeah. your most physical best defensive guard on him. So it's likely going to be Couture on him. Now it did take him 18 shots and two free throws to get to those 15 points. Yes. Um, and so so let me see if I can pull this up on my own uh, personal uh Twitter account. So give me a second cuz I I did tweet out a graphic from that game. Oh, I have where, <clears throat> I have okay. I have a lot of three-point stats on them. Do you? Yes. Do you have them memorized? Uh, basically. So uh, so they shoot a lot of three-pointers, and at one point in the game the other night, they're, they're basically shooting 50% from three for the year. Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing I thought was interesting was they had put up a lot. This was against Butler. They had put up a lot of threes. 
and had only taken two free throws with about two minutes left in the game. Uh, so they're an outside team. About 53 or 54% of their points come from three-pointers, which is the fourth most in the country. Yeah. And only about, I want to say, 8% of their points come the, from the free throw line, which is like 350th in the country. Yeah. So I've run these numbers for a column that will run later this afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you think Virginia Tech is reliant on the three-pointer, three Virginia Tech's only 39% of their points scored from behind the three-point line. Penn State, it's 54%. All right, so if they have an own game from the outside, they can beat anybody in the country. But yeah. if they have an off game, they could get blown out. So it's it's one of those things. Uh, Virginia Tech's got to lock them down. Um, ODU, not very good. Not it's a, a good very team. winnable game for Virginia Tech. Oh, it's a should win. If we don't win, I'll be very disappointed. Because <laughs> ODU, yeah, we're ODU's, not losing to ODU in good. another sport. So the the other two teams, Furman and Penn State, are both better than ODU. Furman beat Belmont. And Belmont's won 25-plus games for four straight years. Hmm. So Furman's a good, a good team. Um, Penn, like it's, it's not a foregone conclusion that Penn State beats Furman. Right. That's what I was just about to say. To play the winner of Penn State-Furman, you got to get, get out of that ODU game first. But to my surprise, Furman might be the more likely matchup. I know that Penn State's obviously the Power Five, so your, no your mind jumps right to that game. Mm-hmm. But Furman's coming off of a 22-12 and 12, uh, season last year. Uh, Penn State went 14 and 17. So, so, first of all, I misspoke. Katie has done her homework. <laughs> the rest of us that haven't. I've done mine. Well, yeah. The Paladins also <laughs> had a win over Louisville in overtime last season, which, side note, that Louisville game last oh, night, 0 for 3 on the season. All Same one with point Florida losses. State. Yeah. And so that was Ridiculous. the first time since that's happened since 1980? Yes. Hang, hang on. i got to find that. That was the weirdest, most obscure I turned the stat. game off. I was like, oh, my gosh, Louisville won. They, Turn it yeah. off. I text my family group chat mad. And then my dad's like, Louisville lost. And I was yeah, like, what? They, I turned so, it off. So to, to fill it in, Louisville's playing Appalachian State. And Louisville made a last-second shot. The guard drove to the basket. Yeah. And they, it like, stormed like, the court. It looked celebration. like it was good. Yep. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite leave his hand in time. So, so Louisville lost 61-60. And ESPN put up, Louisville's the only D1 team to lose each of their first three games by one point since 1980-81. Mm. Couldn't happen to a better school. Let me I tell know. you right now. <laughs> you feel bad for them a little bit. I, mean, I don't. Just, okay. Not one. Not one bit. Well, in Florida State yeah. with Stetson no and Troy and UCF, Boston College barely escaped Detroit Mercy. They barely escaped Cornell, and they lost to Maine, who was god awful last uh, year. Cornell hammered Syracuse last night too. Yeah. Colgate. Colgate. Sorry, Colgate. the toothpaste. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Which Second they lost straight back years, back years they by double Syracuse. digit points. Yeah. So, sorry. Now, now this we can make fun of them, and I'm fine with making fun of Louisville, but the rest of them. All right. It's not funny. It's not, it's, it's not funny because one of the reasons Virginia Tech was a nine seed last year is because the ACC stunk in non-conference play. Like even Carolina. Carolina got hammered by teams like Tennessee in non-conference play. Couldn't play defense. And so Carolina, I think they only had one quad one win in like mid-February. It might, like Tech might have been their first quad one win. Yeah, last I believe that's that. And that game was in mid-February. Yeah. So if you get off to a bad start as a conference and you lose to a bunch of bad teams and non-conference, it's going to hurt your computer rankings and it's going to limit your opportunities for quad one wins once you get into conference play. And, and this is where Tech, because of their their history with conference membership, your, your average Virginia Tech fan 
just they it's in the it's in the tech fans DNA to not root for anybody in your conference <laughs> when in reality it needs to be in your DNA particularly in basketball particularly in these early non-conference matchup mm-hmm. it needs to be in your DNA to root for your conference because it matters I think it's totally fair to pick one team that you despise and root against and them. root against but them. that's it you have to root for everybody else 13, I'm, I'm which Louisville. usually varies between football and basketball though it does I would think. You're right it does Carolina so, barely escaped Gardner Webb last night in they barely escaped like I think it was 62 to 56. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the thing about Carolina is I'm not worried about them. They returned yeah. basically their whole not their whole And they added team. a really good transfer. Yeah, they, they did. From um, Northwest. So so they're not playing well right now, but they weren't playing well at this point last year. They haven't slipped up yet. So as long as if they don't slip up, they'll be fine. I don't know exactly what their schedule looks like, but uh at any rate, for me it's go ACC and then go whoever is playing Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Louisville and Florida State have been two ACC teams that have been hard for Virginia Tech basketball to beat in previous years, and maybe this year it's not so. Hard. Well, Florida State is—they uh, got—they've got some key guys out. They, so they've only got like seven players, and the, the guys—they're—they're gotcha. they're probably going to be a different team in January and February yeah. than they are right now. So the transfer that the UNC got from uh, Northwestern is named Pete Nance. Mm-hmm. So we were texting about him last night, and Chris says, sounds like an 80s basketball name. Sounds like an 80s NBA name. So I answered with Pete Nance of the Milwaukee Bucks, Pete Nance of the Seattle Supersonics. Like. Well, there was, a, there was a Larry Nance. Man, so uh, so wow, Nance had something like 14 of their first 19 points last night or something. He, he looks pretty good. Yeah. Well, coming back to the Charleston Classic, want to take a look at the other side of the bracket quickly. We've got South Carolina, Colorado State, Davidson and College of Charleston. Two of these teams are NCAA tournament teams from last year. Uh, Colorado State lost to Michigan, and then Davidson lost to Michigan State. It's interesting because, like, Davidson's always had such a good program, but they is this their first year without Bob McKillop? I believe. Yes. So you just don't know exactly what you're 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 going to be getting from them when it's a new head coach. Uh, but it, or it's his son, I think, that took it over. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I believe it's his son who is the new head coach. So. You're getting uh, the same system, most likely, but of course, even though they are closely related, you're getting a different coach. Um, it's the, the other side of the bracket's a little more of an unknown yeah. to me. Um, Colorado State coming off of a twenty-five and six season yeah. last yeah. year, that's yeah. pretty yeah, that, darn good. That, that's impressive. That's mm-hmm. impressive. And then you've got your host team, of course, uh, College of Charleston. Who was a fourth? Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Um, so from a personal standpoint, so if Tech makes it past ODU and then the winner of Furman and Penn State, they'll wind up playing one of those four teams. And it'd be cool for me if it was South Carolina because yeah. my, my middle son goes there. He doesn't care, though. They for don't sure. care about basketball. No, they, they don't Carolina. care at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll be in South Carolina this weekend for the Tennessee game. I, I don't think anyone's going to be excited about watching a South Carolina basketball game. I don't think the South Carolina be, football game is going to be very entertaining this week. Either. I hope I didn't spend all that money on a ticket for a blowout, but probably it did. is you going to be did. a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so as as you if you recall, I went then there to see South Carolina play Missouri. And Missouri held South Carolina to 10 points. And I, I thought, oh, that Missouri yeah. defense is pretty no, good. South Carolina's no. offense is terrible. And, and then you watched South Carolina last week. And Tennessee hung 66 on, on that Missouri defense. And South Carolina yeah. scored six this past yeah, week. I, I, think, I, I think their offense coordinator is gonzo. That's two years of that. Yeah. So. Well, in previous games, Virginia Tech has gotten away with not playing their best basketball and winning in early season games because the level of play is not as good. This week will be a test. How do you expect the rotation to differ? This week? Uh, that's a good question. I, I do think it'll be shortened to a certain extent. Um, 
I think Tech didn't look good against William and Mary, but a lot of that, like you're not going to necessarily be playing. Or let me give you an example. Grant Bazzilli only played 20 minutes mm-hmm. in that in that game. Um, you probably got MJ Collins a few more minutes than than he'll get in a highly competitive game. Um, so your rotations are going to look a little bit different uh, this week, I think, to a certain extent. How much different? I don't know. Uh, I'll say this, you know, Tech won their first five games of last season easily. So so we thought we were good. Including a, a really nice win against a Navy team that at, at I think Navy. people at the time at, thought was good. Yeah, at Navy. And uh, so that, then we went to the Barclays Center and we figured out we weren't so good yeah. at that point. We are almost dead even in the computer rankings in offense, defense, and overall rankings in Ken Palm as we were after five games last year. So we don't know what we are right now. We think we know what we are. I mean, I know what we can be on offense. That that much is, is clear. Well, I don't know how good Tech is defensively. I think my gut feel from watching them, just through the eye test, the first three games, is they're about the same and maybe a little better offensively than I thought they would be. Defensively, they're about the same or maybe a little bit worse than I thought they would be. Yes. So they've got some work to do on the, on the defensive side, I think, or the defensive end. And, and that's the that's – the- Part I'll be watching closest. I, I really like Tech's offense. I love how yeah. they move the ball. I love how they shoot. Uh, you know, famous last words. I'm not really worried about that part of the game. Um, and defensively, I'm I'm more interested in what they do inside than what they do on the perimeter because we know Hunter Couture can, can defend. Um, I I think Sean Padula is a decent defender. I think he and Maddox got better last year. Yeah. But um, so. I'm not sure if they want to play in Penn State, I'm not sure you're going to get the question answered of how good is the defense inside because Penn State's so perimeter-oriented. It's mostly like rotation stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, like rotation, coming off screens, whether or not you get lost, just knowing what to do. And and, and it's, I think I think Poteet, Malajo Poteet, and, and is, has been slow to rotate at times. Yes, absolutely. When, when the ball's moving around in the paint. So it'll be interesting to see what Mike Young does with the lineups, who he plays, and to see how they do, particularly in the interior defense. Yeah, so we don't, we don't know a whole lot about the team right now. Yeah. Uh, we Just think, we, think we do, but um, as last year showed, we started off 5-0 and and looked great, and then we finally faced somebody with a pulse on a neutral site, and we found out we weren't so great. Yeah, if you so, if you think about it, they started out 5-0, and then they went 5-10 and over the next 15 yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, wow, what <laughs> what's yeah. up with this? Exactly. So we'll, we'll know more about this team um, late Sunday than, than we do right now. Before we go, Carter, is there any good questions from the chat? Nothing really today, actually. Joseph Raymond wants to know, and I, I think I know what the answer is going to be, do you think our defense can force some turnovers and possibly get some points on defense? And do you think they can score some points on special teams? They did it against Georgia Tech, but obviously got to do that again. Georgia Tech's punt team is the worst punt team I've ever seen. That was awful. Was I wish we could play them every week. Oh, I know. God. They're their punt team. Tucker Holloway would break NCAA records if we could play their punt those, team. Those low-line drives, they get there in a hurry. And, 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 they, and they have to keep everybody in to protect because they've given up so many blocks this year. It was like four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Uh, Liberty, I think, has only give, allowed nine or ten punt returns this year. So it's it's unlikely that Virginia Tech can score on special teams. If they do, it'll be kind of fluky. You know, as far as getting a turnover, Liberty's turned it over a lot, but Virginia Tech doesn't force turnovers. So what is it going to be somewhere in the middle? 
or or is one side going to have a huge advantage over the other? I mean, so Tech conceivably could have a force a bunch of turnovers if Liberty plays like they normally play. But if Virginia Tech plays like they normally play, they're not going to force turnovers. So yeah. flip a coin. Yep. That's it. That's pretty much it, yeah. All right, thanks, Carter. Game previews posted on techsideline.com as of today. Make sure you check that out and vote in the score poll. Charleston Classic tips off tomorrow, so David will have coverage with that. Jack Brizendine is being sent to Liberty, correct? So he'll have... Yeah, Jack gets to write up the football game for us. <laughs> okay, awesome. He's excited. <laughs> <laughs> as excited as you can be. Another great episode of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I want to thank you for listening and thank everybody on set today. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. He's at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. He's at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Carter Hill and the fourth chair. He's at CB Hill 03 on Twitter. And Nick Brown producing. Thank you, Nick. The Hokies take the field for game 11 against Liberty at noon inside Williams Stadium on Saturday. It'll be a colder one than we're used to. It'll be televised on ESPN+. Plus. Still can't believe I'm saying that. And we'll be back Monday morning to break it all down. I'm Katie Adams signing off from all of us here at Tech Sideline. Enjoy the game, Hokies fans, and enjoy your weekend.